It's like, it's like the devil trying to scare you. But then the angels come in and the angels, they let you know who's in trouble. This is New Wine for New Wineskins. My name is Rigoberto Dominguez. Welcome to the segment. Go get your Bibles and notepads and let's get that new wine. I tried living apart from God. At times I was feeling so far from God. My faith in his people that left me scarred. The hatred and hurt was so bizarre. I thought that they would always ride for me. I cried but nobody replied to me. I questioned the truth inside of me and right about then is when the devil had lied to me. Like, hold up, God got you, he don't ever show up. All his people acting like they know you. Tell you that you do it for the money, fame, power, trying to blow up. Why you playing games, trying to grow up? You been reading Bibles and leading studies and helping your little buddies, but tell me what it's really doing for you. They gon' still tell you you're faking phony, you're your every motive, so what's the point in trying to keep it loyal? Said you have faith, fake, you're starting to race fake. Can't even take dates, you're hoping to save faith. Trying to go mainstream in order to reach folk. Ain't nobody rocking with you, especially these folk. I lost it, why not drinking liquor in my closet? I used to pray in here, but now I'm saucy. I'm losing money, I'm a lost profit I'm making bad decisions every time I get exhausted Lord, I don't even really know the real me now Demons got me tripping, trying to kill me now Sitting, trying to figure who can help me get delivered Send an angel in an Uber, come and heal me now Evil, you ain't got no control of me I'm never too far from the blood that flowed for me I lost a lot, but got too much again I'll probably never be the same, but I ain't worried Because I know you're storing me How to suffer through the storm Hey, welcome back, welcome back This is Rigoberto Dominguez New wine for new wine skins it's October 30th, 2021, the year of our Lord, and it's been a while. Yeah, um, I'll tell you, um, for the most part, uh, you know, I hear these ongoing podcasts, and uh, lots of times uh, the questions that I have when I, when I see that, you know, people are just really... Uh, uh, consistent in the in the way they're doing their uh, podcast presentations and their um, daily um, uh, speeches. Um, I I um, I'm sure there's enough material to to talk about. But then, how do you grapple it all? You know, how do you how do you really um, contextualize it? Where uh, one, it's fitting for the moment. Two. Um, it's, you know, it's leading to a thought provoking, um, presentation. And then three, do we give ourselves enough time to process what we've been given? And I'll tell you these days, uh, so much information is constantly flooding, um, at us and at every individual. Uh, and I will say that I'm, I'm probably guilty of this, you know, when I'm grabbing, my phone that probably has, you know, one or two, three, four, maybe five different sources of information. And I've literally have, and I just noticed this here recently, I've literally uh, established a discipline where I actually can take in all five uh, or more sources at the same time and then move on. Um, and I don't know at this point whether it's a plus or a negative. I'm going to say it's a negative because, um, I haven't given myself, uh, and, and I don't think we have given ourselves enough time to process one of those thoughts or one of those sources of information, let alone five, six, or seven. And uh, I think it be, and it can, and it has been a downfall uh, in our society where we're constantly being flooded with a statement after statement, thought after thought, emotion after emotion, challenge after challenge. Um, you know, negativity after negativity, and uh, no wonder the world is 
uh, up in a roar in the high levels. Statistics are showing that uh, the uh, the uh, <clears throat> the um, uh, the the rise of uh, anxiety, the rise of depression, uh, the rise of suicides. I mean, there's just so much flooded information um, that I don't think anybody. And I mean, who teaches us this stuff? I don't think anybody's taking the time to process it. But who teaches us how to process? Who takes the time to share with me and you uh, to tell uh, an instruct? <coughs> Excuse me, to tell me and you and instruct me and you that hey. When you grab a source of information, you have to uh, you have to um, take it and then process through uh, past, present, future uh, thought, and uh, and and then eventually come to a, a healthy conclusion to determine what the outcome of that thought or feeling is going to be, uh, whether it's something that you take in or you dismiss altogether. Um, and I, like I said, I'm I'm. I'm guilty of this in the sense that um, not that I don't process because I out of the four or five or other many sources that I've taken information, I do take and I've done this. I've established myself where I've disciplined. So I take in the one that's solely going to make the difference. So I've already fixed my eye on a particular wording text um, message kind of uh uh, presentation. So I'm I'm literally looking for something. And I think we've all done that. We've all learned to only take in what we like. But the question is, are we taking in those things? And I hate to use this word, but I'm going to use it today. Are we taking on things that are evolving us to life and progress and benefiting ourselves and encouraging ourselves and strengthening ourselves? Or are we taking in those things that are evolving us uh, to our death, to our destruction, and to the grave? Everybody knows that they're guilty Everybody knows that they've lied Everybody knows that they're guilty Resting on their conscience, eating their inside It's freedom Said it's freedom time now Hey, this is Rigoberto Dominguez just checking in again at New Wine for New Wine Skins. Want to inform everybody out there to check in on the podcast every Friday night at 7 p.m. Pacific Time. Don't miss it. We always got something new, something fresh for you. It's Freedom Time. Who will dominate the opinions, schisms, and isms, keeping us the forms of religion, conforming our vision to the world, church's decision. Hey, welcome back. Welcome back. New wine for new wine skins. This is Rigoberto Dominguez, and it's been a while. And I'll tell you, for a moment, um, I kind of thought to myself, I said, wow, you know, I, I hopefully I don't, uh, don't lose this uh, podcast opportunity and things kind of fade into uh, the great unknown. And all of a sudden, the, um, I'm left with uh, something that uh, got started that was well equipped and um and all of a sudden it doesn't go anywhere but i'll tell you the truth about all that was that not necessarily that i wasn't wanting to uh engage and also didn't have not that i didn't have a lot to talk about more than i was i was discerning i was waiting for a good prompting of god's spirit to really guide me 
and give me something to talk about. You know, I, I'll tell you what's wrong with a lot of these preachers and teachers and pastors and, and Bible presenters is that sometimes, um, not that they don't have a lot to talk about, is that sometimes they have too much to talk about. And they don't give me and you or the, their audience the time to uh, process and regurgitate what is it that they've learned. It's this constant flood of information as well. So the Christians are not exempt from this uh, bad habit of constantly taking in information and not ha taking the time to process it and then learning to apply it and then, pro and then um, regurgitate into life's uh, applications and, uh, and opportunities. Um, as a matter of fact, that's where I've seen a lot of the failure is where um, people are so excited to get the next message, to get the next uh, statement and what so-and-so says and what then so-and-so did and, you know, and the next experience. Um, and uh, you can do anything to have an experience. You know, you can, you can walk up a hill and uh, somewhere where you haven't been before and you're going to have this this momentary experience of, wow, you know, that was exhausting. And uh, you might do it again and again, uh, you know, this repetitious cycle because somehow it felt good or anything that might cause a euphoria of some sort. And the problem is, and I'm, hopefully I get to a message one day where I can talk about what Tozer says, um, whether the, the church is either uh, erotic or spiritual. And uh, there's a difference. There's a difference between um, raising our emotions to the place where we are gratifying their desires, where it becomes almost a distorted version of spirituality that actually Tozer says is an erotic position of um, of spirituality and not a, a position of true spirituality before God. And hopefully we'll get to that. And I might even quote him here a little bit uh, in the midst of this podcast. But, you know, I wanted to give you a definition of the word that I, I, I don't like to use because it's been, well, you, you know, the, the, the statement evolution or nat the, the position of naturalism, the philosophical position of naturalism is the idea that actually uh, not only involves uh, the things of Darwin, even though Darwin has been uh, the head and lead of this idea and this philosophy, uh, but that things evolve and they can adapt in in certain areas and progress uh, to accommodate its surroundings. Um, and well, you know, um, the the naturalist uh, holds to this position: one that uh, we uh, came from nothing but uh, some some slime and some electrical. Uh, bolt experience that eventually gave into life uh and then from there it naturally and uh and 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 gradually start evolving into a progressive state and it's constantly going 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 and it's been millions and millions millions of years uh that we've gotten to this place and then darwin played into obviously became the head lead of the idea uh and the position holds now that um the origin of species that darwin's view is pretty much prominent among academic realms so much so that it's actually um it's kind of wormed its way into the church atmosphere with a lot of uh believers hold to the idea of evolution that somehow we are gradually evolving and that um that the world is not necessarily according to the uh biblical standpoint that is 6000 years old but millions and millions of years 
old because it's so complex. But I'm not going to get into that. Might even touch on it a little bit. But I want to define what the word evolved means. And uh, the Oxford Language Dictionary says this. Uh, the first definition is uh, to evolve means to develop gradually, especially from a simple to a more complex form. Um, or to develop over successive generations as a result of a natural selection. Now, I, today I'm going to use the word a little bit, uh, not necessarily to, uh, to fix our minds on the idea of evolution, but more or less to fix our minds on the process and the definition of evolve with whether we are growing into something that's going to be beneficial or growing something uh, that's going to be destructive in our lives. So I'll use throughout this podcast uh, the term evolve only to kind of um, kind of catch us in that in that mindset. Um, and yeah, so uh, and I started with talking about the podcast in the sense that we are constantly bombarded with information. We're constantly bombarded with uh, impressions and thoughts and feelings about so many things. And everybody else has seemed to be dominating excuse me, the way we think, the way we feel, the way we make moral decisions in life, the way we act, totally. And it's a full-blown manifestation now that there's constant and immediate impressions of information coming upon us throughout the day. And I'm not just talking about, uh, you know, you know, your break time, your lunch break, you know, your the time at and uh, hopefully not, but the time that you're at the at the stoplight or at the stop sign, or you're waiting for your kid uh, after school, you know, the phone or the um, your your um, uh, your 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 whatever uh, a device is it that you use to uh, to obtain information is constantly being uh, impressed upon us. So, and it seems that there is no way to veer away from this, at least this is the way it seems, that we have no choice but to participate and contribute our portion and our, our response because, you know, you'll hear it. You hear it and I hear this. When I go into uh, certain circles, um, being that it's uh, fall season now and harvest season, so we'll go out and, you know, walk into particular circles, pumpkin patch, uh, you know, uh, um, orchards, you know, picking apples, picking pears, whatever it is, uh, whatever uh, that that uh, this great um, season provides, that uh, um, you'll hear people talk about, did you see this? Did you hear that? Now, mind you, those two statements are not necessarily new to our society. Did you hear this? Did you see that? Um, are age-old questions that have been around gossip circles for hundreds of years. And only because uh, in, in places like small communities, you know, there was always uh, this uh, wave of information that went from one person to the other. And, you know, we always knew who was going to have the latest and greatest a gossip about the situation that was unfolded because everybody went to that person or to that group. And eventually they, and I, and I'm going to do make a pun here. Eventually they became uh, the local newspaper. Um, and so people either read it on the newspaper or heard it from through the grapevine. And did you hear, or did you see that today? It's not, did you hear, did you see that based upon a newspaper or maybe a, a, a somebody sharing with you? It's, 
or maybe may, maybe they have shared with you, but it's a news outlet or or a form of information that's been projected to you through your very device that's on your phone. And all of a sudden, it seems that the conversation only takes hold on the basis of what the latest and newest uh, situation is unfolding in society. And, um, you know, fine. I, I don't have a problem with taking on the newest and the most uh, latest information that's unfolding in society. But can I take it to the next level? Can I take it to a place where, <clears throat> where it's leading and the outcomes? And I find very few people that I can have a very in-depth conversation about, not only about the surface level and the superficial expressions of it, but can we go to the depths of what the logical outworking of these ideas uh, and these situations are headed to? And in that sense, that's where I want to use the word evolve. What are we evolving to? And where are we headed as a people or as a society? And more importantly, as a church? Now, I'm going to read a passage of scripture here that uh, kind of helps me and it's going to help you kind of pinpoint not only the situation that we're encountering today and how you make the distinctions in every, in every specific uh, outcome of, uh, of, uh, of circumstance may be in conversation with two different people because you always find a difference. You know, some people, some people's, some people's uh, devices don't have what mean you have as a device. I like that. At this the, at this point, I like the device that your device you can actually formulate it to to the ideas and the thoughts and the feelings and the information that you want. Even though sometimes some things get uh, intrusive in there and they worm their way into into your own outlet, but you can also uh, you can also establish that you only are being informed with the things that are are beneficial to your life. <clears throat> or at least we we hold to that view where others are allowing themselves to just be flooded with whatever comes to the to the channel. But let me read this passage of scripture and then I can break it down a little bit more. And the passage I'm going to be reading is gonna it's gonna be out of the book of John, chapter four. And I'm gonna start at verse one. And actually not verse one, I'm sorry. Uh I'll give you the backdrop a little bit. Uh, you know, uh the Lord Jesus Christ uh and his disciples um were um were in Galilee and Judea. They had a confrontation with the Pharisees. You know, that's been uh, an ongoing thing. And uh, now they're going to go through Samaria and um, and they go up to and end up by Jacob's well. Uh, the disciples go into town, <coughs> excuse me, to find some food. And the Lord is left by the well. And all of a sudden, this happens. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Oh, now, it, the the distinction is it's about the sixth hour, so it's probably probably a really hot time, and uh, well everybody's thirsty. And when the Samaritan woman, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, the Lord Jesus Christ said to her, "Will you give me a drink?" Huh. Now I want to stop there, and um, you know sometimes we don't think about how our statements are going to evolve. And how our our body language or gestures are gonna affect people? Um, sometimes, uh, and I, this is maybe not a good thing for a lot of us, but we should be very aware of our body language and our statements and the expressions that we uh, project upon society and upon other people, uh, because they do affect and they do take course 
uh, and again, I'm going to use the word evolve, they eventually, they will manifest themselves into something. They will affect uh, at some level. <clears throat> Here the Lord um, is, is um, asking uh, this Samaritan woman, whom we're going to assume he knows is a Samaritan woman, um, and, uh, and he's asking her for a drink. And he wants, and I'm going to, I'm going to assume this as well because it, it kind of gives the outline here. He wants a response. He, he has, he has, uh, an agenda behind it. He has a context of why he's pursuing her for a drink. You know, why won't the Lord get his own water? In this case, he's going to ask her and there's something that he wants to trigger in her, in her response so he can address it. You know, sometimes, um, and I want to say this to you, brother and sister, listen very carefully. Sometimes the Lord is asking you for a drink and you're too busy to hear his voice, to know, to know, to stop, to give it to him. Me and you are too busy in every day hustle and bustle that we're too we're too uh, numb to know that that's what he's asking for and what he's asking for a drink is to actually point your attention to him about certain things so this way he can talk to you and he starts a conversation with the Samaritan woman we need to be careful the Samaritan woman said to him and he's making a distinction watch this you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman how can you ask me for a drink he makes it she makes a distinction and this is exactly what the lord wanted a response from her because he could have got his own drink right uh he could have went in there and dug up the well and provided for himself but he wants to engage he wants a samaritan woman in conversation to go ahead and unfold this process this thought and at this point um uh, the uh the vote the distinction that she makes is You've evolved to a certain group of people, and I've evolved to a certain group of people where we can't actually be interacting. You've unfolded to a certain group of people, and I've unfolded to a certain group of people because what she's really doing is not only making the distinction, she's saying at the root and the origin of our beings, me and you cannot have a conversation. And then the Lord starts dismantling her view now listen carefully he he repositions and forces her to not only reevaluate but to evolve in a different direction he says to her uh he says to her well the the statement says in verse 9 for jews do not associate with samaritans there is the there is the origin but then the lord jesus christ answered her if you knew the gift of god and who it is that asks you for a drink. You would have asked him. And he would have given you living water. Wow. Can you imagine um, the process of thought that she had to start focusing in upon. That all of a sudden here's this man who she knows is a Jew. And obviously they're their clothes or something that uh, might have made a distinction. You know, I, and me and you do this, I can, I can sometimes, uh, or actually lots of times, I can distinguish from people's dialect, accents, behaviors, where actually they are from uh, at some level. And so can you, if we pay attention long enough. If you study behavior, um, well, as much as I have, 
uh, we can make a distinction actually of their origin. And she has, and she knows it. So she's able to make the distinction. But the Lord himself is starting to challenge the idea. And he says to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Not only does he challenge her position, he starts dismantling and says, you would cross over the, bar the barriers as well and actually look for something from this person. And then all of a sudden the woman wants to continue to engage and her process and the change, and the, and the change of thinking starts occurring. Sir, the woman says, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? So he's pretty much saying, hey, I'm, I'm equipped to draw from this well. What are you doing? What are you talking about? How can you draw from this well if you have nothing to, to get here? So now all of a sudden she's making a distinction based upon distinction based upon whether he's equipped to do this or not, which is he's talking about. And are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, and did as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Not only says you're not equipped to offer this according to your statement, but now you're making a statement as if you're just as good as the one who made this well, who actually was chosen by God. And now she's saying, not only are you not equipped, I don't see anything that actually pertains to your statement that you're wanting me to think this way. But he's also challenged, she's also challenging his position and saying, this well belongs to our father who actually, not only did he drink from it, he was equipped to do it. He offered to all his household. And the Lord answers her, watch this. Everyone who drinks this well will be thirsty again. So then he dismantles the idea and he dismantles the view. He says, do you think it's about this well, me being equipped to give you from this water? But then listen to what he says. But whoever drinks the water I give him or her will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him or her will become in him and in her a spring of water welling up to eternal life not only does he dismantle the view that she's using practical terminology to say that you have no way to actually provide for yourself and to fill from this water or from the from the well and now you're making claims that you actually can do more than our father jacob and the lord says it's not even about the well I'm talking to you about something else and I can actually start seeing and can you imagine her thought process and saying, wait a minute, now you're actually saying it's not even about this well or me being or him being equipped to draw from the well to offer her a drink of water. Excuse me. It's about something else that he has to offer her something that actually will cause her never to thirst again, but also, but also that it would actually grow in her. It will evolve in her and in him and whoever takes of it into a wellspring that leads to eternal life. Now, she understands the terminology of eternal life. She knows that eternal life means to know God. So then her response is appropriate because she understands the context in, in the midst of the language that the Lord Jesus Christ is talking and watch her response. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water. 
so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. She understands and saying, wait a minute, I, I want to have that wellspring. I want to come to a place where I don't have to be always returning and coming back and coming back. Uh, obviously, she seems to be tired of the repetitious cycle that somehow um, puts her in a position where she feels that it's refreshing for a moment, but it's only it's temporal. And it's only temporary because it's not consistent. And it's not sustaining in her. And now she's saying, I'm in a vulnerable state and I see that. You have seen clearly to my vulnerability that actually now I'm actually asking. Now she's changing her mind. Now, now the process of evolving to a different view is being welcome. And the Lord wants to honor it. Now watch this. He told her, go call your husband and come back. Not only has she made herself vulnerable, now he's going to expose her so this way she can be complete. He's not exposing her to condemn her. He's exposing her. Listen carefully, because this is what God does to me and you. He exposes us not to not to condemn us, but listen, he's exposing her as he exposes me and you to deliver us. So we can actually be so we can actually be qualified to receive this wellspring of water. Because we can't receive it unless we come to a clear standpoint of a clear conscience and a pure heart. And then she says, I have no husband, she replied. And the Lord starts affirming her vulnerable position. He says, you are right when you say that you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Now he's not only saying, good that you're vulnerable, but now I'm going to bring bring the light into this darkness that you've been walking with. As a matter of fact, I'm going to actually bring it to the point where you actually come to a place where you're complete and you have to make a decision. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. He is seeing right through her. Our father, now she changes it. I can see you're a prophet and now she starts affirming the context of what God does and how God deals with this matter. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. And now she's saying the distinction. She says, if you're a prophet and you bring clarity to my life, and God is actually in the context of our conversation, now my mindset is, she's saying, my mindset is what our fathers have told us. This is where we should worship the Samaritans. But the Jews say that we should worship in Jerusalem. What do you say? And she's actually trying to see where he's at in this matter, where his standpoint is. And the Lord answers her because he wants to affirm her. The Lord declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. He dismantles both positions. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. And he's correcting her mindset. He's saying, hey, you're vulnerable. you uh, allowing yourself to be corrected and guided properly. But not only are you not worshiping properly on this mountain. And the Jews are not worshiping in Jerusalem properly. Then he says this. Yet a time is coming and has now come, it's present, when the true worshipers will worship the Father, not on one mountain or another mountain, but in spirit and in truth. 
for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God doesn't seek for you to climb a mountain in good old Yakima or, or go into uh, the uh, lakeside in Chicago or go into the ocean side of Oregon or of Seattle or of California or the Gulf of Mexico or any other part of the world. He says, These, don't try to find serene atmospheres to think that you will find me there. Because it's, I'm not in the serene atmosphere. I am where you worship me in spirit and in truth. And that's where you will find me. And then he literally dismantles both positions of where people actually are currently worshiping at that time. And he starts to redirect the mindset so that the mindset of the woman who had been indoctrinated with this view of her position also starts evolving to a different position that's going to be beneficial for her life. And the woman said, the woman said, I know, now she's actually affirmed in this context, I know that the Messiah called the Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And she actually affirms the view. She's saying, what you explain as a prophet, what you actually disclose as one who's trying to redirect my mindset and actually it makes, makes sense and bears witness to my soul that it's not neither here nor there. It's not in your, in, your full wall, in your four wall pew churches where you have a nice carpet, where you have a cross on the wall where God comes. See, the church is not a building. And boy, we've made the church, we made the building, supposedly the sanctuary, and we... And people come in empty. People come in distorted. People come in sinful and try to worship God within four walls and thinking that's where you will find God. God says, no, you'll find me where your heart is sincere, where you worship me in spirit and in truth. And the word of God says, don't you know that you are the temple of the living God? That I want to dwell in you. So imagine you have a bunch of people who actually don't have God in their hearts showing up in a building where God doesn't exist and doesn't actually uh, present his presence to them and supposedly that's where you're going to find God and nothing is there to actually make the distinction between the building and their hearts like, there's no preaching and there's no sermon there's nothing to challenge the view so then people evolve into a distorted state of relationship with God and they come in and leave A.W. Tozer says worst because nothing happened once they came into the church. It was a dead, dry sermon with a dead, dry pastor, with a dead, dry congregation, and they walk out going straight to hell faster than they came in. But she says it right. Messiah one day will come and tell us. Messiah will one day and give us this truth that you're speaking about, prophet. Messiah will actually not only expose us, but redirect us in the right, right way. And she, he had just explained to her, and the Lord says to her, I who speak to you am he. The Lord says to me and you, I who speak to you am he. Brother, what have we evolved to? In your relationship with God. Can you see it? The scripture says. You can tell a tree by its fruit. What have you produced for God. If anything. 
Is it based upon your own agenda? Is it based upon your own progress? Is it based upon your own success? Is it based upon your income? God forbid. God forbid that you think godliness is actually being provided through your income. God forbid that your your uh, your stability and uh, your sustenance is provided because somehow uh, God is blessing. Listen, the Jews, the the um, Judaism uh, is a very very uh, multi-millionaire uh, religion. Islam is a multi-millionaire religion. Hindus is a multi-millionaire religion. Buddhists are multi-millionaire religion. The Jehovah's Witness is a Jeho uh, multi-millionaire religion. The Mormons is a multi-millionaire religion. I mean, I can go on. The list can go on. Money, money doesn't make you godly. Things don't make you godly. Where you worship doesn't make you godly. Who you worship determines whether you're godly or not. How you worship the one you worship determines whether you are godly or not. And the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Let me talk. Big blood talk on the line, you hold me down. Big dog beat, take it home, gotta give it to the pound. Yeah, light on my chest and my back, try to take me out.